There was nothing else at all in the whole world but football. Welcome to the Triple F Show, where I'm joined by Simon W to talk about the huge bombshell of the European Super League proposal. We both give our thoughts on Arteta's reign so far, and we cover the frankly predictable dismissal of Jose Mourinho as Spurs manager. I hope you guys all enjoy. Where do we start with all of this, Si? It's just um, mind-blowing, mind-blowing. What do you want to start with? Do you want to start with... Uh, do you want to start with... The, the thrilling 1-1 one, one with Fulham. Do you want to start with the, uh, yeah, the death it, of soccer or death of football? Yeah, let's go chronologically over the last 48 hours then. Let's start with the Arsenal game. I, I guess we can get into it uh, in more detail because uh, I think of all of the news, it's probably lower on the list than the, the rest of the bombshells that have dropped. But yeah, that Arsenal game was um, pretty That's atrocious viewing, wasn't it? What do we expect? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I said to a good friend of mine here the day of the cup final back in May, and he called me a terrible fan. I said, I'm not sure I want to win it because I don't want I don't want the champion the the European football to completely destroy our league program and our league performance. And it has. Mm. And it's continuing to do so. And yeah, I mean I'm into it now because we're at the semis, of course, you know, all gung-ho. But it's completely done us. This Thursday, Sunday has completely done us. And it mm. and it did us, it's done us for years. So, you know, another example of just a terrible, terrible performance. But, mm. but having said that, if, you know, if between Saka's big toe, um, Gabriel stepping on another toe, mm. uh, we, we'd have been fine. But it just, it's, it's, not, it's not inspirational. Mm. Um, two steps, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. I mean, do you, you think... That, I mean, if Laka's hurt, we've got problems. Yeah. Do you think that's um, one of the main reasons why we're, we've been suffering in the last two years is just that sort of Thursday, Sunday dynamic? Or, I mean, surely there's a lot more to it than, than just that, right? Uh, it's been a combination, I think, of an aging squad. Um, the general manager trying to get people out, the Kolasinacis and the Mustafis. I think Ozil's been a poison. But yeah, I do think physically we're not a big enough squad. I think mm. the grind, I think the grind takes its toll. I mean... You could argue that the major grind is in is in the autumn when the games are, but there's enough games now, and I think that we we're just we're just we're just struggling in terms of trying to keep that momentum going uh, between mm. Thursday and Friday. I mean, if you play away, if you play in Eastern Europe, okay, you're getting back very late night, very early morning on Friday, and you could argue what's the problem. But there's so many players in our setup, as opposed to a Man City or a Liverpool in the last few years albeit playing a day earlier, who just can't play back-to-back-to-back games. Mm. Do you think Arteta's the right man to sort of um, fix that legginess and, and fix that going forward? <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> get into that. I mean, I'm not, honestly, I, I'm happy to die on this hill. I'm happy to categorically say now that I don't think he's up to the job. I think he's taken us perhaps as far as he can go. There is that moment where if you get rid of him, then perhaps some of the people he's brought in, you get the new manager saying, I don't fancy him. And then we have to sort of take a step down to start again. So I'm fearful of that, but he, he's not the man. I don't think he's, I think his experience at Man City has only given him so much that he can give us. So only so much of Pep rubbed off. 
I don't think I don't think he's inspired the kids. The, the, well, I think actually the young kids is the one place where I feel like he got lucky. The Chelsea game, he got lucky. Um, Emil's been sitting there for for years, and I'm glad he put him in. But I don't think he's inspiring us. I think he's I think he may have taken us as far as he can. And I'm and I'm and I'm, I want to be proved wrong. I really do. I want this to be. I want this to climb down to 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th place. I want it to stop now. It's time for it to reverse. We've been very patient, and maybe that's the arrogance of a lifelong Arsenal fan. This mm. is not okay. It needs, to, it needs to stop. When Wenger, when Wenger left, we knew we'd have a decline, but not this. This is too much. And next season out of Europe, which is probably likely, um, that could be a positive. It could be that... You know, we, we don't have the Thursday, Sunday, but it could be that we don't manage to bring anyone in quality. So I, I, I'm not sure about Arteta. Well, I am sure about Arteta. I, I know that, that I want to be proved wrong. I know I could be proved wrong, but I'm okay. I want to put that out there as a conversation starter that I'm done. That's fair enough, man. That's fair enough. But, um, I mean, where I am with it, I suppose you can call it sitting on the fence, confused. I just, I don't know what to make of this. And I, in a sense, that's, worrying as well I want to have a manager that I can say that I'm fully behind and I fully give my backing to especially a club of Arsenal especially a club of our uh, profile be able to say yeah this is the manager this is the guy that we need but to have that uncertainty and I'm sure a lot of fans are, are like that even those Arteta in fans I don't think they are completely Arteta in they have to sort of qualify a lot of their reasonings as to why they they want him in I, but he's just given us more and more evidence to say it's just uncertainty uh, and I'm just not sure he's the right guy going forward man I, I, I just the, the the other issue that I have with it is do you trust the ownership to, to make the right decision if they were to get rid of the guy? I really don't think we can. It's um, maybe we just have to back the guy that, that, that we're going to have. And, you know, that's essentially just where we are and what we have to do. Um, I, there are certain things that give me a little bit of hope. And I suppose it was the game on Thursday that showed that we, we obviously have, the capability to tear teams apart like we did in the old Wenger days. But then again, we just completely go back to type and perform like we did on Sunday. Maybe that was to do with legginess. Maybe that was to do with being tired, like you say, the whole traveling around Europe and then having to sort of contend with that. But uh, he, it's just these decisions, the decision-making, the decision to bring on Eddie, the decision, I mean, was Balogun even on the bench? I don't know. Um, it's these decisions, man. What is what are going on with these decisions? That's that's the one I can't understand, can't quantify. No, I completely agree. I mean, there's the whole Willian having naked pictures of the Artetas. <laughs> I don't know. There's, there's got to be something. Obviously, there's there's the Willian. Okay, so there's the Willian piece, which is mm. clearly strange. Maybe he's been told by management, we're paying this guy. Unlike Ozil, he wants to play. He hasn't annoyed us yet. You got to play him. Willian is not. Willian is a passenger. Um, the fact that the fact that we are changing. I mean, we didn't. We made changes in places we didn't have to make changes yesterday, and the places where we should have made changes we didn't. And I know it's hindsight. There's no way that our that our aging inform number nine should have played yesterday. If yesterday was a day to play Martinelli uh, up top, that was it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we did rest parte, fine decision, not a problem. Um, I was going to throw something through my TV if Elneny passed backwards or to the side and one more time yesterday. I mean, he's a lovely, he's lovely, but he's not, he's come up, he's, he's really developed, but Elneny is not the player. What we missed was that, was that possession by Partey, ball out of his feet, either a pass forward or moving the ball forward. It was so static in the middle. Mm. Elneny, all, El, all Elneny wanted to do was to pass to Ceballos or look to pass laterally. And it was, it, we, we had nothing going on. But yeah, and so I think um, I think it was a day, I think we did well to rest um, the fullbacks. I would not have changed the Mari holding. And I know, again, look at me, I know it all now because Gabriel gave up the penalty, but it's not that. Why on earth? I mean, centre-backs do not do the running of midfielders and strikers. They really don't. And so I have no problem with him playing those guys. Try to get, try to get at least the centre of that back four to have consistency. We made changes where we just didn't need to. So mm. frustrating. I mean, uh, Smith Rowe was great. Saka probably could have done with the rest. I mean, maybe even put Nelson on the right. I mean, that guy needs some games. I'd have played, I'd have played Nelson right, Pepe left, Martinelli up top. Uh, but it's you know it's all it's all 2020. But the team came out and I thought, do we need this game? Do we need this game? I mean, you know, we're we're going to sit. We're going to finish anywhere between ninth and twelfth. What does it matter? Surely, if Europe's Europe, then just let it go. And again, I think if we'd have got battered by Fulham, I probably would have felt differently. But we almost lost. You know, we did look leggy. We did we did 20 minutes of good work. We scored another goal that was disallowed. After that, our heads did drop, unlike on Thursday when we came right back. Our heads did drop. Um, but another, but you know, on another day again, it, Arteta, we could have won 3 nothing. We should have won 3 nothing. Should have been easy. Yeah. Uh, I suppose for that sort of argument, you could say that was it really Arteta's fault that we didn't put those away? It's essentially down to the players for not being clinical enough. Um, so he possibly is kind of, his hands are tied to an, a sense that he can't, you know, he can only field the players that he's got at his disposal. So, um, yeah, it's a strange one. This summer is huge, man. This summer is massive. Uh, and it makes, I sort of keep second guessing myself and thinking what sort of position should we prioritise the most? Um, I do think central midfield, and I, I completely agree with what you said a second ago, that we massively missed Partey. And I think that highlighted how desperate we need a central midfielder in there, even with over Xhaka. Um, Xhaka's a brilliant player and it obviously also highlights how much we miss him when he's not playing in that central midfield position next to Partey. But we still need an improvement on Xhaka. We need some player to be closer to what Partey's level is. Uh, So I guess that central midfield position is of the most utmost priority. But then going back to what I was just talking about now about the the lack of a clinical edge. We need a clinical, clinical striker, we need, or at least a clinical attacking player that can put away goals like Ramsey used to do, like um, the good old days of Henri Bergkamp. I mean, the list could go on and on with the amount of players that would actually just put those away, those chances away, time after time after time. We just lack that player so badly. Um, so you know what we may well be we we may well be left either either the Super League comes off or who cares we can buy anyone or well we can't buy anyone because there's going to be 20 other clubs with as much money as we have but no but either we do either we do that but no I think we're going to be stuck with um, Balogun not stuck with but Balogun is going to need to get what so one of my one of my theories about one of my exciting positive theories 
about Lacazette probably being done if he's done his hammy is that now we have to play we have to play the strike force at nine of rotating uh, Martinelli and Balogun. We have to. Eddie is Eddie may have scored yesterday, but I mean I think I could have tapped that in. Um, I think this is going to give us the opportunity. This is going to this is going to prevent us from panicking and throwing a new three-year deal at a 29-year-old Lacazette, which I think we've been tempted to do in the last month. This slows everything down. We could be left with another heavy contract of an injured player, 32 when he finishes. That may not be the right thing to do, but it feels like the right thing. Balogun we just signed. Balogun, I was watching some video of him last night. Yes, he's raw, but boy, oh boy, I mean, we have him. And then, and then Martinelli, we have him. So I think this Europa run, however long it lasts, if indeed we're not kicked out on Monday, on Monday next week, um, this is going to be Balogun and Martinelli up top. And I'm actually excited for that because we, it's what we have. But I think giving Balogun the chance to play at that level, he may sink, he may swim. But starting Martinelli up top, we've got to do. And I think that that's, that's potentially going to be a positive because also fine is probably if it's a hamstring, he, he's, he's toast. It'll be a three. If it's a hamstring strain, it'll be three weeks and then back to training. So a month, that's, that's the league season. And that's, that's the final two. So there's the, there's the positive outlook I have today. I'm doing my best. Yeah. I, I think this season has um, turned the most positive of people into, yeah, into sort of pessimist ones, mate. And, and I'm one of those as well. I was super optimistic about football, about Arsenal, about everything, but it's, it's, uh, it's sucking out of me, man. But um, <laughs> what you were saying earlier as well, like uh, what we have to do and what Mik Mikel Arteta will do are completely different things. So I'm, hate to be the bearer of bad news but I think Eddie Inketia here we come especially as he scored that goal that's he's going to be he's going to be the boy he's going to be the one um and I'm I don't want that to happen I really wish that Arteta doesn't do that but I'm pretty sure he will I'm pretty sure he'll at least be uh, second choice um if Aubameyang comes back he'll definitely be second or third choice but I can't he might even be first choice. That's the scary thing, man, because I can't really... I mean, he's got something against Martinelli. God knows what he, what it is. Um, Martinelli needs to get a set of those pictures that Willian has because um, <laughs> he's just not able to... Yeah, it's just not happening for Martinelli, and it, which is annoying because you can see, or every Arsenal fan can see, the potential, the amount of just quality that Martinelli possesses. But for some reason, Martinelli... Arteta with his golden eye sees something different and it's just not giving him the chance and it's what's going on. Yeah, I'm not I'm not counting on Aubameyang to be back this season. I think malaria has a horrible habit of lingering. Mm. Um, and again, for him, once he's given the all clear, it'll be light training for a week because he's been sat quite right around or in a hospital bed. Is he still in hospital, do we know? Anyone checking his Instagram? Um the last time I saw there was a picture of him really on a hospital bed, but that could have been taken any time. Um, I think that was a couple of days ago. But yeah, uh, like you say, with malaria, it's a pretty heavy, heavy one. So it could be a while. Yeah, so and I think, I think you know, th there's another issue. Like if we, if, which we won't, but if we can Arteta now or at some point between now and June, someone else has got to come in and then we've got another project. I mean, at least one could argue that at least we're, 
a year into the process and the project. And I'm all about trusting the process, but the process has to be some forward steps. And yes, mm. Thursday night in Prague was a massive forward step. And what did we do with it? We shit. The, we, 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 we basically shit the bed mm. and, and we lost our captain. And all I, all I say on, on game days is if we lose, let's not have a major injury and we have a major injury and we couldn't afford to have one. Who would have thought, who would have thought back in August, we'd have been ninth, we'd have been done in the league and we're hanging on to our European hopes. And yes, we're in the semifinal, but neither Aubameyang or Lacazette are going to be available. Holy mackerel. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just what the 2021 season is going to be. I can't wait for next year. Mm, yeah. I mean, I suppose a, a positive for Arteta is that it can't get any worse than this. Surely it can't get any worse than this. It has to be an improvement. Um, but I'm but, not sure. But you know what? The reason for my wanting to die on the hill of Arteta out is I don't know. I don't see why it can't. I remember, I, remember, I remember driving back from a trip right after Christmas, right after New Year. I couldn't even look at my phone for that West Brom game because we'd just beaten Chelsea and I thought there's no way that we'll put two together. Or I think, well, well, yeah, yeah, I think, I, think it was right, I think it was right after the Chelsea game. And I'm like, I can't even look. And I thought, there's no way. We're, we're, we're probably 15th now. Mm. And then I turn on my phone that night. I'm like, oh, my God, we won another game. We won a second game. Mm. I, I can't do these 15, 16, you know, spots. And it yeah. seems to be that I don't know whether Arteta has an answer to get us out of this, out of where we are. Um, and I do, I do think that the no, the no Euro football will help us. Mm. But it's also a bit, it's a bit of a come down, isn't it? I mean, Stan Kroenke, I, I think, is really the one who I blame. He has overseen this decline. Mm. He took us over as a Champions League club. And look where we are. We've now been slipping, slipping, slipping. But mm. then again, what, what does he care this morning on this beautiful Super League morning? What does he care? What yeah. does he care? He's going to get, this is, let's face it, this is his end game. If he can get, if he can make this Premier League, this uh, Super League happen, who gives a damn where we finish in the Premier League? Stan's going to be just excited as hell today. If you're enjoying the Triple F show, then you might enjoy our other podcasts. The Magic Of is a show which profiles special clubs from all over the world to find out about their history, culture and fan base. Under the Floodlights invites fans to talk about their favourite players and managers. And the Triple F cinema is where guests and I review weird and wacky football films. Where do we start with this European Super League, man? It's um, it's worrying because it's been sort of topped and turvy between messages between you and I for the last sort of um, twenty four hours. Because I think you said, uh, you know, we need to sort of calm down. It's just the um, these sort of top six clubs and these big elite clubs just kind of um, forcing UEFA uh, to sort of make a move essentially and then and now it's sort of uh, developed into a bit more of a, a serious situation where um it does look quite likely that this actually might materialize and it might actually happen um you still you don't think it will no i don't um so are you you're obviously aware of the new champions league format that was yeah the, sw to, the know, swiss today. format yeah the swiss model so the swiss the swiss format as you know was put in with the Agnelli guy from um, Andrea Agnelli, who's who's just resigned from the board of this European Clubs Association. So he is just persona non grata right now. But basically what this was going to do is give more games to the top clubs and have those five spots 
or clubs that have had a good record in the last da -da -da, few years. That to me is the moment. That is, that's probably the ending place with five spots where the other, where, where the major clubs probably said, look, we literally want 10 to 12 spots guaranteed in the Champions League and the rest of you can fight out for qualification. I bet you the five was beaten down from 10, let's say, down to five during the negotiations. And the moment that happened, Agnelli said, I'm out of here. And the big club said, you know what? It's time to, it's time to exert our power. I think, this is, I think this is a bargaining chip. I, I think there's going to be a lot of very excited people in European football, in UEFA, in FIFA, et cetera, flexing their muscles back. This is what we have. We're going to ban you. We're going to throw you out of the league. The statement from the Premier League today is saying that if you do this and you want to come back to the Premier League, you have to start in the conference. That's all just chess, that, 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 that's all just chess banging, mm. I think. This is all going to be a bargaining chip. This is going to force UEFA to renegotiate the 2024-23-24 Champions League, and they've got time. This is to get UEFA back to the table, and I think it's going to end up with essentially an, an amalgamation of the two. I think you're going to have probably eight to ten guaranteed spots for mm. those clubs, maybe even 10 to 12, I don't know. You know what? They're going to say, expand the Champions League even more, give more slots to the smaller countries, but we want to be permanent members. And if you, because what they're saying now is if you don't make us that, here's our option. I'm honestly, it's too early. It's too early to get drawn into any of this. Here's how it's going to go. I think everyone's is going to settle. This is a way to force your wave. It's very mafia in a way, but, <laughs> but this is a way to get your way for back to the negotiating table. That's just my thought. I'm not sure 100%, but I do think that this is just a way to say, you know what? We've got bigger balls than you. We've got more money than you. Let's go. We got to keep talking because I don't think the current, I don't think the Champions League proposals um, is where the European, the large clubs wanted it. I think they were knocked down and had to accept that. And they're saying, you know what? No, 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 no. You're not going to renegotiate. Here's what we can do. And I think within a week, UEFA will call a meeting in Switzerland um, and the big clubs will come. I From there, so. I don't know. Yeah, I hope so, man. But I mean, even if this were to go through, is it something that could sort of sustain itself? Is it something that could even work? Because surely UEFA, they can't do without these elite clubs and the elite clubs can't do without UEFA. So it's it seems to be a strange one. And it does it does smack of posturing, like you're saying. It does smack of all this yeah. sort of chest beating and so on. So hopefully it doesn't go through. Um, but hypothetically speaking, if it were to go through, what how do you think it would play out? Because it kind of resembles uh, and it sounds a little bit like um, the sort of models of sport that you have over in your country um, where, you know, you don't really have relegation or you don't have promotion. I mean, does that, because a lot of the fear of fans is that it's going to completely eliminate competition. Is that something that you've noticed from the NBA, from the NFL and so on? No, um, no, not at all, not at all. Is it? Is it? Would it work playing the same teams over and over again? I think. I think now, from the outset, if you look at the purity of the game, and you know Wimbledon going all the way up from Division Nothing to winning the cup, that is not going to be a thing. But this closed league, you know what? I mean, I mean, actually, you know, here, I mean, well, from, from my team, I'm a San Francisco 49er fan, and we we play the same four teams every year. And um, 
that's great because we play them twice a year, home and away. Um, ask a Rangers and Celtic fan if it gets boring playing four times a year. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have, let, let, let's, let's just take an example. You're going to have rivalries that you never knew existed that get fire and spice. Let's say an Arsenal Atletico game kicks off over there. Two players sent off, terrible VAR decisions, yada, yada, yada. Then you have a moment, then you have a memory. And then next time Atletico come to the Emirates, it's on. Mm. See, I think you're going to have this, you're going to have, because of the, the familiarity, you're going to have these spicy um, rivalries that develop. It could be that, you know, um, Chelsea and Milan have a moment too. And you're going to get these new, these new sense of, these, these new moments of aggravation. But the idea of a closed league, hasn't this always been happening because we have so many American owners? I mean, this is this has been Stan's wet dream. This is exactly what he wanted, you know. And you've got the Red Sox group in charge of of charge of uh, Liverpool. You've got the Glazers still in charge of um, uh, of Man U. You've got these owners that play in this in this environment. They must be. Th they must have thought to themselves years ago. You know what? This is nuts. Why is there a risk of my team losing their status? That's crazy, because we we are hung up on this Corinthian Victorian concept of you know the working class game rising to the top. They're not. This has been the way that American sports have always run. The only, as you know, the only, there isn't a second league for the NFL. It's the college game and there's a draft and then it's all built on parity. If you're the worst team, you get the first pick. Mm. And so I was, I was thinking today, maybe, maybe the Super League will run on that model. Maybe there'll be a draft of players from whoever's left. I mean, maybe if Newcastle has an amazing goalkeeper, maybe they will say, I'd like to enter the ESL draft and then they go to the worst team, which will probably be us if it happens. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you'd still get like domestic competition as well, wouldn't you? So it wouldn't completely take away competition um, maybe, from that maybe, aspect. Maybe. This is the question. This is the thing where yeah. if this happens in isolation. I, well, I, I, don't, I don't think it'll happen as a standalone entity. I just don't think it will. Because the Premier League will, does not want to lose the top six teams. Their revenues will plunge. The TV deals will plunge, et cetera, et cetera. And this league does not want to lose the day-to-day, week-to-week, essentially Saturday games for, for its clubs. And the players are going to walk away. If they're going to get banned from playing internationals and playing their, you know, like Liverpool playing Everton, et cetera. Now, again, that's why I say, that's why I say it's all chest-thumping. I cannot see there being a standalone league at all. But I do think it's going to spread. I do think that this model could end up uh, working its way over to South America. Mm -hmm. I can see there being essentially, instead of having that rather strange uh, World Club Championship thing, which is you know the, the, the Copa Libertadores and the Champions League, I can mm -hmm. see there being a genuine club world championship which runs all year. Mm. But this idea of the death of football, I think people are getting people are getting far, far too excited here because I don't think that it's going to be a standalone thing. There's a lot of negotiation that has to happen. As I said, this is all to get you away for to keep talking. But surely, I mean, after Brexit, after Donald Trump becoming president, surely you shouldn't, you know, um, you should expect the unexpected, my friend, because <laughs> these things happen. Um, and, you know, that message that you sent me earlier today is, well, not earlier today, like a couple of hours ago, and also um, a couple of sources I've been listening to as well have said that this could essentially materialise. It's not, I think it's like 80% chest thumping, like you've been saying, 
but there, there is there is there's always a possibility that these things happen. Essentially, Brexit was chest thumping, and then that ended up materializing. So it's um, yeah, it's something that um, I, I kind of agree with you. I think it's possibly not going to happen, but yeah, like I just said, now expect the unexpected because you never know. You know, if 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 the big clubs don't get what they want in terms of those guaranteed Champions League spots, it's more likely. But mm. each side has way too much to lose. Mm. Way too much to lose. If the, the Premier League, the Premier League and UEFA are, are going to be very very fearful at walking away from these negotiations because it's fine to say now we'll do X and Y, etc. But what happens to the Euros? What happens to the World Cup? And, play, and the only thing that I, the only thing I think the only really the only interesting sort of bargaining chip that UEFA has, I think, are the Euros and the World Cup. We could argue that you know the way that we look at international breaks is this necessary BS for a couple of weeks and players go off and get injured. I I wouldn't care particularly, but I do think there's so much history there that the players may well push back. The players may well the players unions may well in fact they will be involved in this. That's the part we haven't heard yet. Yeah, it is exciting. I mean, I think, you know, but then again, I think the thing that I was, the thing that has really annoyed me about the media coverage is all these ex-pros coming out and saying how disgusting it is. Just like the mm. ex-cricketers came out and said how the IPL was going to ruin cricket. <laughs> yeah. Again, so, yeah. but then again, there's a great example though. Has the IPL done that? No, the IPL now sits in the calendar because everybody came back to the, to the table and said, how do we make this work? Mm. And I think that's probably the best, that's probably the best analogy we have is I think both sides have too much to lose here. Imagine if England and India and Australia, et cetera, banned all their players who played for the IPL. Mm. Well, they would have, they would have, they would have been complicit in killing test cricket and killing international cricket. Same thing will happen here. Mm. But you know, at the moment, the, the moment Sky, the moment Sky paid five billion uh, pounds or dollars for the Premier League. This is when this happened. They're giving parachute payments to Norwich. Norwich have made so much money the last two years by coming up, going down, coming up. Um, this idea, so yeah, th th this idea that you know uh, FIFA and UEFA have some sort of integrity. I mean, there's going to be a World Cup in Qatar for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, the set blatter, all the uh, pulling back, pulling back the the curtain on on set blatter, all that stuff. FIFA and UEFA come at this. Um, with this sanctimonious bullshit, mm. they are as implicit or complicit rather in this as possible. Just because the money isn't flowing in their direction and they look like they might lose control, suddenly they're acting like priests here. And, you know, the, the glory of the game and the purity of the game. The game died. I think the game died a long time ago. Think about how the FA Cup is now completely diminished. Think mm. about how it doesn't matter in the Premier League if you win it. It's probably it's just as lucrative finishing fourth. So this idea that the Premier League and UEFA uphold the central tenets of the game is BS. Mm. They're just not getting it their own way. There ends the lesson. Seriously, I was I was putting that together this morning, and I'm like, seriously, how dare that? How dare these leagues come out and act like they have been the custodians of this sport and start bleeding on about grassroots? Grassroots? How much does the Premier League really give to grassroots? Give me a break. <laughs> This whole thing is cyclical, like you say, as well, because um, bringing up the EP, uh, the IPL is a really good point because surely there was a kickback when the the Premier League was sort of first remodelled from Division 1 to the Premier League and then so on with the Champions League as well, the inception of that. Surely there was a lot of kickback from that as well. So, you know, to this whole idea, like you say, where people are, are up in arms about 
uh, this sort of ruins the the um, the traditions of football and it kills the game. Yeah, it's you're full of BS, really. Like, I don't, I don't think it's going to kill the game like people fear, uh, especially like Gary Neville going on about how <laughs> Liverpool completely throwing away their traditions and their loyalties. I mean, God, come on, man, get a grip. Gary Neville's but, not going to. Gary Neville is not going to get a payday from this. Which <laughs> yeah. is just, just like. Just like anyone who retires from, from a position or leaves a university or leaves a school, you want it to stay exactly as you remember it. And this is different. This is revolutionary. Mm. Gary Neville is not going to benefit. Mm. And so he's these ex-pros, Dion Dublin was sat of all people, yeah. sounding off on match of the day last night. I'm like, come on, dude. I mean, yeah, you were never that good. And secondly, <laughs> yeah. we know why you're angry. You're angry yeah. because this is something where you know, more money is going to be made than you made in your career. And this is really good. This is really bothering you. So I don't think I, I'm less, I'm really not concerned about what um, X pro and Simon Jordan was rumbling away on TalkSport this morning. I'm like, of all the people to talk about money yeah. ruining the game. I mean, there's so much, there's so much hot air right now that I think within a week, within a week, I think we will have an emergency UEFA meeting and the big clubs will be there. And I think mm. that's when we get to know what's going to happen. It's a little Otherwise bit, just... sorry, mate. It's a little bit like um, ex-Arsenal legends in the media <laughs> sort of, you know, having their moan and their whine about all things Arsenal as much as they can to essentially, I mean, we see through it. I mean, us Arsenal fans see right through it. We know that they're just bitter and angry about the club um, earning and profiting a hell of a lot more than what they would have done. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, I'm, but having said that, having said that, I'm a little torn about this because, um, you know, we, we are shit. And <laughs> if, we, yeah. if we, I mean, of all, of, I mean, first thing, first thing, what the hell are Tottenham Hotspur thinking about being in? <laughs> Who the, how, I mean, this, if you're looking at this from outside, how dare they? I mean, clearly they built the stadium with this in mind. All right. But how dare they? Of all the clubs, like, you know, spot the odd one out. Spot mm. the one that hasn't won the league in color TV era. Spot the one that's yeah. won two cups since 1980. I mean, but from our point of view, we are a pawn and we are in a pretty severe decline. Mm. If we, from a purely selfish point of view, can get a guaranteed seat at the table, part of me thinks, well, is that mm. the worst thing in the world? But then again, I, I feel terrible about myself when I think about that. Yeah, there's also an argument of like, should we even be considered a top six I suppose an elite club, yes, because of our history and, and whatnot. But I mean, we haven't been in the top six for the last two, three seasons. So, yeah, no, absolutely. I think the North London contingent are there by, well, us by reputation over mm. quite a period. And Spurs are just there for money. They're just there because yeah. of the stadium. And the, the fact they're in bed with the NFL doesn't hurt too, because mm. again, we've got NFL owners involved here, especially our Stan. Um, mm. But I was looking, actually, I was looking today at um, the clubs that are involved. And the clubs that aren't. I mean, we've got Bayern and Dortmund making some sort of a stand. I'm not mm. quite sure what that's about. Ajax aren't involved. PSG for some reason. Maybe PSG feel like if if this gets if this moves forward, they'll basically be given the Champions League. Um, mm. They've always <laughs> wanted. But you've got teams like Roma. I think about the extra teams like Roma, Napoli, Lyon, a lot of money. Marseille, Porto, Leipzig. Leipzig have come out today saying they're not going to join it. Mm. That surprises me. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, I'm, I'm very torn though. I think this would be, I think if it can be worked out that this happens, 
Mm. And there's a an Europa League or the Champions League essentially becomes the Europa League, um, less than, and that we can still play in the Premier League. Hell yeah! If this is a Wednesday night gig, where we get we get crap tons of money and we get entry, and the game isn't completely destroyed, then fine. Mm. But I, I again, I don't know. I think again, this is a negotiating tool. I'd be very very surprised if this this takes off because we've seen it before. I mean, if you just if you just Google European Soccer Super League, you'll find reports from yeah. 2011, from 25, 20, uh, no, no, 2015. Mm. You'll find this always gets mentioned every time the European big clubs don't get what they want. Out this proposal comes, but it does seem a bit more real. I'll give you that. Mm. I suppose, um, yeah, it's one that we've got to schedule in a few more meetings and a few more um, of these chats, my friend, because uh, a lot is going to be developing over the next couple of weeks. I'm taking some pretty strong positions today. Arteta out, and this is not happening. <laughs> yeah. So again, I feel like I feel like if we are, if, if we if we win the league next year with Arteta and we're playing Juve and Barca and Real Madrid on a Wednesday, then I'm happy to I'm happy to eat my words. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, this has been a fantastic, one of the best 24 hours in my recent memory in terms of things to talk about. It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, football was kind of plateauing over the last couple of months or so. I mean. Yeah, especially in the Europa League and whatnot, and in the league especially, it's been I've just been so uninterested. Been spending most of my time out in the garden um, <laughs> because it's just been so dreadful. Yeah, well, I actually decided. I actually decided yesterday to set my alarm to wake up, have some breakfast, watch the Robbie and his boys on FTV, kind of get into it. And I thought, here we go, big screen and. Mm. And I did that for Leicester. I, mean, I think think of certain points in the season. I did it for the Leicester home game. I did it for the Villa home game. Mm. I've done it for all these games where it's oh just my God. appalling. <laughs> just, I did it for the Wolves away game. Uh, like there's sometimes where I really get into it. I think, you know, I'm off. I'm not working. I can do this. And it's just terrible. Actually, having said that, I was, I did the same for the Prague game on Thursday and that, that, that paid off. But yeah, what a season. Yeah, that was one game I, um, stupidly looking back in hindsight um yeah i, I missed the first 20 minutes because i was out playing football but that was uh, a game that was it yeah it yeah. was it was it was quite mesmeric i mean again the var goal like we found and then you know what we we were fantastic and Partey moving the ball through midfield saka being being lively pepe too smith row was fantastic and then unlike yesterday i mean if we hadn't hit our spots and scored those goals it could have been different, but unlike yesterday, we had a, a blistering eight minutes and every, everything worked. Mm. Everything, everything worked. Every shot that was supposed to be on target hit the target. Like that goal for Pepe, Smith throw with his quick feet and that little ball to the left. Pepe was in the right spot, made the right decision with the right foot. I mean, it just, everything worked. But it was mm. a fantastic night and I knew, I knew it would drop off and I'm really glad that it was a clean sheet. And I was very excited about seeing where Chambers could play. That yeah. was interesting for me because Bellerin's off. He's gone. And um, that's okay because Chambers was pretty decent. Obviously, we've got a game on Friday, so it's hard to sort of predict this. But um, I just I just sort of ask you now, with the knowledge that you have now, what would your starting 11 be for the Villarreal game on uh, Thursday, is it? Next. The Villarreal game, I'd have, exactly the same, I'd have exactly the same back five, including Leno. Mm. I'd have Mari and Holding and Chambers and Jacker. I'd play Partey and Ceballos. And I would play, if Odegaard's back, yes, either Odegaard or Smith-Rowe. I'd play Saka on the right, 
Pepe, up, Pepe left and Martinelli up top. Hmm. Not Willian, and not and I don't think <laughs> and I don't think Aubameyang is going to be ready, and I'm really I don't think Lacazette's going to going to going to make it. I mean, right. yeah, I, but I think that that pacey that 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 quartet of Odegaard pulling the strings, coming deep when he has to, going forward when he has to, knocking out to Pepe uh, and Saka and Martinelli's pace. I don't, it's a no-brainer for me. Why did he drop Pepe on on Sunday? <laughs> no idea. Absolutely God. no idea. I mean, there's another situation, though. I mean, mm. if, if he thought that Pepe was a guy he wanted to save, then why the hell did Lacazette play? Mm. Why the hell did Lacazette play? And he thought, I mean, clearly he thought Partey was someone who needed a break. Yeah. Who did Lacazette play? I mean, Pepe's what, 24, 25? Mm. He's probably okay. Lacazette's 29. He's an old man in football terms, you know, mm. and Partey's 27. So we made the right decision there, but we, we dropped Pepe. I don't get it. Yeah. Thank God Willian wasn't wasn't playing. I could very much see there being a Willian playing 10 and Smith Rowe pushed out wide. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Hey, I'm more worried about Friday. I'm not worried about Friday because it's irrelevant, really, but I want to get through Friday with Arteta making, yeah, Arteta making the right decisions in the right areas of the pitch and us leaving with A, a result, and B, no one hurt. Yeah. And no one and no one freaking red carded. Mm. Just survive, just survive it. I mean, we're not going to get into Europe by the league. We can finish 15th for all I care now. It doesn't matter. Mm. And I just hope I just hope uh, Arteta makes the right decisions. I'm a little worried about Villarreal though. Uh, Moreno, the striker, the guy, um, the other guy, Al- Alcacer, who used to play at Dortmund. Mm. Good player. Lively. Li- and they play two up front. Yeah. They play, they play 4-4-2, so that's going to be interesting for us to know how to cover them, which means I think Partey, I, I would probably, we could even we could even see a Partey on any midfield. Because mm. I do think that I mean, you know, Jack uh, is not going to bomb on at all. But I could see us wanting to have El Nenny just slip behind Thomas Partey if he wants to do do something. Mm. But yeah, I don't know, man. I think uh, it's it's written, isn't it, Emery? Yeah, exactly. Their manager's going to have a bit to prove, isn't he? So. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that does worry me as well. But I think I think for me, what I like to do is just try and figure out who the key components of our team are when we go forward uh, at least until the end of the season hopefully until we get to the to the um, Europa League final uh, I think for me like you say Partey he has to be on the pitch and he has to be playing well so maybe dropping him um, yesterday was a real big decision was the right decision going forward but I completely agree he should have dropped back and as well but I suppose we're, we're sort of seeing it with hindsight I, t- I don't think you could have seen that he was going to get injured the way that he did and it was a it's a hamstring as well, so it could happen to anyone at, at, at any point. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. yeah, but you know what? If he's gonna if we're gonna drop Partey for yesterday, then he doesn't play on Friday. Mm. You know, give him give him give him some training work to do, mm. but don't don't play him on Friday. No, I mean please please don't. It's just no. it's it's just gonna compound things. If we lost him as well, mm. we may as well just mail it. we do you know we we may as well just mail it in. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I've got to, I got to go online and keep tabs on Aubameyang. I mean, I'm sure he's still not feeling great. And if he is again, it'll take a week of training. Mm. So anyway, I, I, I'm very excited. I was very excited on Thursday. Um, yeah. I was a bit deflated yesterday, but I would feel so much better if we had Lacazette fit. Mm. That, that to me was, I mean, I honestly, I really didn't care about the result yesterday. 
Uh, it, was, it was annoying in the moment, but the, the, the follow-on and the piece that's pissing me off this morning is the Lacazette injury. And I think it's all down to a coaching decision, which is back to my Arteta out because I just don't think he manages. I don't think he manages the squad well. Mm. I don't think he's progressed some of our players. And he makes decisions that just baffle me. I don't yeah. yeah, this is what I don't understand about Arteta's decisions is that he seems to make a lot of decisions based on incidents off of the field rather than having them sort of witnessed on the field. So let's say <laughs> William, for instance, like how on earth is he getting um, favoured for games with his performances on the pitch? I mean, those performances, he's probably had one or two good performances all season, but yeah, he's played, I mean, he must've sort of started 20 odd games how on earth he's been able to merit that is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Aubameyang. Aubameyang's another one where, like, he's had a dreadful, dreadful season. There have been some performances that have been absolutely abysmal, yet he still plays. And then you look at some of the things that have happened off the pitch. So, Willian obviously going to Dubai, that sort of incident, and then Aubameyang as well, where um, when he got dropped for the Spurs game because he was turning up late for training. You do that, but at the same time, you don't uh, punish players or you don't sort of uh, bypass players because they've played poorly on the pitch. You only um, discipline players based on what they do off the pitch. Uh, and that, that, for me, just doesn't make any sense. And that must be the reason why he chooses players like Enketia as well. I mean, he hasn't done anything. He's barely played, yet he still gets a game ahead of... Balogun, like Balogun has done way more than what Aketia has done. He's at least shown a hell of a lot more promise than what Eddie has. And it just absolutely baffles me, man. Yeah, I think perhaps, perhaps there's a, there's an opportunity to take one last look at Enkedia because mm. he's out the door. And I think Bellerin's being kept under wraps, I think, because there's probably a pre-contract deal with PSG that we don't know about. Yeah. But I think maybe that maybe there's just a thing. Maybe there's just I, I can see Edu saying, you know what, we're gonna invest up front. Let's see what we've got. And I can see that's why Eddie came on. Um I could that's why that's why I think someone like Reese Nelson may start on Friday. Mm. Let's see what you've got. Because another great thing to talk about our loanees. I'm actually really stoked about our loanees coming back. Mm. And I think someone like Reese Nelson, it, I think I think Reese Nelson and Eddie, it's time. Um, because we've got people coming back who are going to be, who I think not necessarily fill those spots. But we've got people coming back who I think we need to take a really good look at. And I'm actually really excited about people like uh, Mavropanos, obviously Saliba. I was watching, I know I know he's an arsehole, but Gwendozi, um, I mean, I would probably support Arteta moving him on. But what a dynamic partner for Partey if it can work. And we talked about this before. But what a dynamic. I mean, Elneny does a job. Um, but one, one of those can do the piston in terms of Partey going forward and Guendouzi sitting and vice versa, that centre-mid piston uh, approach. Um, and I think we have, we have some talent out there. We really do. And Willock, well, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's not the answer to sit with Partey because he's not, he's not robust enough. But I have a mate here who's a Newcastle fan. He's like, can we have him for 20 million? I'm like, you probably can. I mean, I think he's only, I think he's, what he's doing now is essentially just increasing his value to be sold. But he's done fantastically well. Yeah. I think out of all of those names, I'm sorry, man, but I would only keep one of those and that's Saliba. 
Um, Mavropanos, uh, I, I like the guy. I think he has potential, but I think if we can get a bit of money for him, I, I would take it, mate. I would take it just knowing that Stan's not going to pump the money that we need into the club and that we have to be shrewd. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd, I'd say take the money for, for Mavropanos. Um, Torreira has really screwed us by yeah. saying he wants to go to one club. I mean, really, just, <laughs> yeah. just let, can you just let us handle yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, thanks for that. That's probably going to mean hardly any money for you. And you're a lovely fella, and you know we feel we feel for you. But could you just could you just let the adults mm. in the room do that? I mean, what an idiot. I, I think that's going to be a contract termination that probably won't. It's a shame. Yeah, it, it won't leave him with a lot of money, but at the same time, like, yeah, he's he's trying to put Arsenal with their backs up against the wall, and it's, I think he's the one that's going to lose in that situation. But um, it's a shame as well with Torreira because what a player he is, and what a player, he, what a partner he could be for Partey as well. But it's just a shame he doesn't like the climate here, and he and he needs to be back home in South America. But he's um, that little boy. He's again, he's too short, but it doesn't matter. Mostly, I don't know. Like, I don't really agree with that. That's short argument because look at Kante, man. Like Kante for Chelsea, like he, yeah. he Kante's probably shorter than Torreira, and he, he's do, he does a job in the the exact same position. So. Yeah, he, he and Partey, I mean, again, you know, one going, one sitting. I mean, that could be fabulous. He could give Partey a little, little bit more freedom because he's that ball-winning kind of terrier in the midfield. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a shame. I mean, I really thought he seemed to me... Now, did Wenger buy him or was that an Emery buy? Was that a very early Emery buy? Torreira was, yeah, Emery, one of Emery's first buys. Miss Lintat, if, you, if you're going to be... Yeah, that was, very, that was very exciting to me. Because we've been crying out for a ball-winning center mid, uh, yeah, center mid. Yeah. and that to me was like, oh my goodness, this guy could really give us something. And again, he's just been, he's been a shame. If you're interested in coming on the show for an under the floodlight special to talk about your favorite player or manager, please email the triple F two thousand twenty one at gmail.com or DM the triple F eighty four on Twitter. All contact details will be in the episode description. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to the Triple F. Let's talk about the uh, the big the big news this morning from uh, from the Seven Sisters Road or wherever they are now. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> the toilet bowl. Yeah. yeah um, I, mean, he's, he's, I mean, all you can say is, you know what? He's done it again. Good for him. Mm. He's convinced the club to hire him. They've done it. He, he doesn't sign on the dotted line until there's a 25 million payout. I mean, fair play to him. I wonder. I wonder which club is going to fall for it next. Is there an activated clause? Do you think? 30 million. Yeah. It is 30 mil. Absolutely. 30. I checked it weeks ago. He's got a 30 million. If he is terminated before the end of his contract, it's 30. He's making 16 million a year. And he's got a 30 million dollar, so probably 25 million pounds. He's got a 25 million pound payout, and he's got it's already in his bank account, everything. So if this is um as reported, Jose has how has this happened then? So that because he's been fired. So how yeah. how would he have been fired for being against the European? Did he's he, not. Did... He, he's not, he's not. This he he's he may well, he may well have been angling for this. The timing, because the timing makes him look good. Because now yeah. he can come out and say, you know, I'm nothing to do with Tottenham. But you know what? He he's you know ever since last summer he's been bad mouthing the club and the players, and mm. I don't have enough money. And this is what he did. This is what he did on the summer tour with Man U a few years ago over here. Mm. We're just thinking. I looked at my mate and we're like, oh, here we go. Mm. I mean, he's 
fair play to him though. I mean, he's 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 made he's made hundreds of millions from just payouts. I mean, Chelsea have fired him twice. Man U have fired him. Inter have fired him. Real Madrid. Yeah. I mean, if you think that's around a twenty million, he's made so much money. The money's in his bank account. Mm. He's fine. He's you know he his his assistants are getting money too. Um, he lives in London. He's just gone home and he's watching Sky Sports right now. And he's fine. Yeah. But, uh, but my my friend here, who's a big Tottenham fan, is uh, he's been talking about Eddie Howe for years. He didn't want Jose. I told him on the first day, and he's like, "You're right. That this is going to be 18 months, and it's mm. going to be nasty. Um, it's going to end poorly." But he really wants. He's convinced that either Eddie Howe, Scott Parker, or Brendan Rodgers. He thinks Brendan Rodgers will be the next man to come. Yeah. That's a tough one, though. Would you leave Leicester? Mm. They got money. They have they have the Thai money. Yeah, I, I mean, it's kind of smacks of when we wanted Brendan Rodgers at Arsenal. Why would you go, essentially, down a few pegs? Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't leave Leicester's project right now as, at all. I think what they've got going on is brilliant. It's similar to the sort of Dortmund model of football. They've got a great scouting network there. Stay yeah. at, stay at it. And I mean, in the next few years, if they keep recruiting well, they can quite easily cement themselves in the Champions League if the Champions League still exists, shall we say. Well, <laughs> so, what, is, what is any of this, what is yeah. any of this matter today? I mean, yeah, honestly, exactly. It's, isn't it better to be to be Tottenham manager? Whatever the hell they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Is it better to be the new rising power of Tottenham? And, I mean, he's making a lot of money from Daniel Levy. Mm. Daniel Levy clearly doesn't care about wasting his own money. Um, he's built a stadium and he's paid Jose an inordinate fortune mm. to go. But yeah, I mean, um, Eddie Howe be interesting though. Yeah. Currently out of a job. I mean, if they really want to start grassroots and really do what we've had to do, which is go down to 12th or 13th, I think Eddie Howe, I think the, the Eddie Howe process would include that. Mm. I think they'd really have to cut bait a little bit. And is he the right man? Is he the name and the presence if this Super League happens? Absolutely not. Mm. Celtic no. must be gutted though, because Celtic, <laughs> it seemed as if they more or less had Eddie Howe in yeah. their grasps. And now, you know, now Tottenham's there. If if Tottenham were to approach Eddie Howe, I can't see how Eddie Howe would turn that down. It's you know, it, there's a good opportunity there for him. Um, he's, a, he's a southeast boy, you know. He's you know he he knows he knows that part of the world and hmm. he knows the culture, the London football culture. But I I can see I can see Eddie Howe going. Yeah, my mate here used to play for Fulham when he was a youth player, and he's very much into Fulham and knows Scott Parker. And he's like, oh Parker, I'm like. Mm. On, with mm. what with what CV would you want to hire Scott Barker if he had it to be to run Spurs? I don't know. Mm. Former yeah. player must have played for them. It'd smack of a Tim Sherwood scenario for me. Just somebody completely out of his depth that is just nothing more than a bit of a cheerleader. Or Frankie Lampard. I don't think Lampard. I think Lampard was absolutely mm. swimming against the tide, and I think he he struggled. Um, the same as if we go off on a point here and re at any point, but we've covered that. Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. Exactly. No, I think, but I think I think for Tottenham, I mean, I do love the malaise that, that that always creeps over Tottenham about every two and a half years when they fire a new manager. But the timing, though, with the cup final, what the the League Cup on Sunday, it's tough timing. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what they're trying to achieve on that. Mm. It it does sort of soften the blow for me a little bit as a gunner, um, looking at Tottenham scenario because it's not a great one. It's not a great situation to be in as a Spurs fan right now. But um, yeah. yeah, I think I think I think that the only the only way that they have been 
The only way they're feeling good this morning is because their name is on that uh, Super League proposal. And again, I think they're probably hoping just like we are that this comes to fruition. Mm. Uh, they've got a fabulous stadium. Levy is going to be very aggressive about hiring someone. I'm not quite sure whether they are the club to attract people at this point. I mean, they talked about Julian Nagelsmann from Leipzig. Mm. The only problem is the Munich job is now open. Yeah. He's got, I mean, he's going nowhere else. Let's mm. face it. Um, Dortmund have a new coach coming in. Um, I can't think of any other major jobs that are open at this point, but I don't think Tottenham's one way. I mean, someone like, I could see someone like Ancelotti deciding that yeah. if they decide to go the old dog route. I know that Everton have money, but I could see Ancelotti thinking that would be a good deal. Back to London. I'd be scared that one of my favourite managers to be the Arsenal manager, if Arteta will get sacked, and that's Eric Ten Hag at Ajax. I love the guy. I think he's brilliant. I think what he's done at Ajax since he's been there, it's gone completely under the radar, but I can see him turning up at either by Munich. He's got history there as well because he um, he used to manage, I think, the B team or whatever it was when Guardiola was there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he could also be quite a good fit for Tottenham if they were to be ambitious and show show signs. And I think he'd be a good fit for them. But um, yeah, I'd be gutted with that because I'd like to see him at Arsenal. But um, yeah. Yeah, you talked about him before and I, I, I guess I need to do a bit more research on him. But I think this guy Nagelsmann has definitely done well, but he's had the Leipzig funding behind him. Mm. Um, I'm not quite sure who else is out there, but I do think for Tottenham, I think, I think it'd be a big mistake if they went back to an ex-player. I do think the Parker piece would be a disaster. And I do think that, um, I think the same for Lampard. But Tottenham, again, I, one one does hope that their process is as arduous as ours is. Because yeah. they're going to lose the captain this summer. They're going to have money. They're going to have probably more money than most clubs to rebuild. Mm. But I don't know who's pulling the strings at Spurs. But they need to make some really good decisions because... The same way that Liverpool built an entire team around the 120 million they got for Coutinho, mm. because buying Van Dijk, etc., they did that beautifully. And Spurs have to be very careful because in this climate of not much money flying around because of COVID and fans, they need to make sure they don't screw this up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, what an interesting 24 hours, 48 hours it's been. It's um, yeah, it's been one to to absolutely marvel at, but. Um, yeah, I'm sure we've got a hell of a lot more to come in the next few hours as well. The game is not dead yet. <laughs> not quite yet. The, the, the reports of the demise of football across the world is slightly premature. Yeah, 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 that is true. That is true. I think there's a lot of life in it yet. But um, yeah, and I'll, and I'll be there as a fan. I'm sure you will as well, watching it, watching things develop. But yeah, thanks again for coming on, Si. Appreciate it, mate. Thanks a lot. Have a good week, man. You too, man. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to The Triple F. If you could please drop a like on our Facebook page, subscribe to the YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, that would be massively appreciated. Hope you're all keeping safe and thanks again for listening to The Triple F.